You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. What is up? Welcome to Bick and the Boss. Finally, with both Bick and the Boss. Uh, it has been a long time. July 23rd, I think, is the last time you and I uh, both assembled, C-Mac. And here we wow, are. Wow, yeah. I, I just got out of my buddy's uh, chiropractor clinic, uh, Garrett Cush. Played at SFU, played for the national soccer team because it's been so hard for me to carry this show without you for so long. Okay. I needed a, I needed a realignment. <laughs> I needed a realignment. So it shouts to Garrett Cush. He's out in the Surrey area. Great job aligning me up, buddy. Because this has been so hard oh, carrying this show. Oh uh, yeah, Vinny Barbarino and Cotter all back together again. Uh, I, 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 I've missed you though. I will say. Uh, doing the, the the show with a cast of characters, uh, Jamie and Karen Sermon and Izzy and Sat and Randeep. It's it's been all over the place, but uh, here we are. What's uh, the song? Together. You don't know what it's got till it's gone. Is that what you're telling me? Should we should we be playing <laughs> that one too? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know what? Uh, happy you're back. Uh, happy that you were able to spread your wings and uh, again find out how good it is to work with the boss. And you know, you're yeah. working with some other people. That it, it it's all part of your. A growth as a as a strong employee here at Sportsnet 650 that you're able to experience this and and just you know learn from those other people and then you know take it back to this show and and carry it I, uh, now that I can put my feet up. I had a wandering eye and I was like, you know what, life's pretty good here. I'll uh, I'll stick yeah. with the boss. What's the grass is greener? You know, <laughs> oh maybe maybe it's not over there. Pick uh, of the Boss brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Does your team need reliable construction equipment? Save thousands on Kubota excavators, skid steers, and loaders. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. So we're back together, uh, but the one constant is always your interaction. You can uh, chime in 650-650 on to the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, which is the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. 650-650 for you to chime in into the show. Uh, A couple of things we want to get to, you know, big, uh, we'll see, the the don't at me's are already starting to roll in for minor mats, so keep them coming as well. Uh, We'll get to that at 120. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of an interesting day. There's the Field of Dreams game going on in the MLB. Uh, Pete DeBoer is on the station today. We'll, we'll talk to uh, Tim Leiper as well, uh, former first base coach for the Blue Jays, uh, who are uh, drawing some Ray reviews. Big win last night. And, you know, I find myself getting uh, captivated a little bit every more every day. And I think it's got a big thing to do with the star power. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have going for them. So we'll get into a lot of it. I uh, do want to start with your Vancouver Canucks, though. Uh, it's kind of an Olio Levy week uh, to some degree as he signs his contract, some conversation about, hey, where his career might be looking and, and projecting. And then he joined the station yesterday on the People's Show. And, you know, the, the summer is always a time for improvement for, for hockey players. And, especially for Ole Levy, you know, he finally had a chance to be healthy. And, you know, you could kind of hear it in his voice of just like, hey, I'm excited to just kind of get to work in the summertime uh, for once and, and not have to worry about, like, you know, rehabbing an injury or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops. And actually, if, if you want an idea of what summer improvements or off-season hockey is like, uh, Justin Bourne wrote a funny piece today at uh, Sportsnet. Yeah, that was, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, 
how to how to fit in when you're skating with pros. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the, the do's and don'ts of skating with NHL players in summer hockey, of uh, trying just hard enough but not trying too hard, and a bunch of the other stuff. It's worth checking out at sportsnet.ca. Uh, hey, but, uh, you know, hey, one quick, quick one quick anecdote. I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but as as I read that and I started thinking, so back when the Memorial Cup was up in Kelowna, I was up there covering it, and, and we did a story on Tyler Mozienko, who played for the Rockets, and he was talking about Sidney Crosby, and, and at that time, Crosby was just about to get drafted and all that, and he talked about how he was doing some skating with Sid down in L.A. with some of the top pros like Chris Chelios and all these guys down there, and everything I read in Justin Bourne's uh, article today on sportsnet.ca, again, funny read about, you know, don't be this guy, don't be Johnny too tryhard and all this sort of stuff. It brought me back to when Sid was skating with those guys down there and, and Mozienko was telling us the story about how he was just dominating. This kid was dancing around these NHL players, making them look foolish. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I guess if you're Sidney Crosby, you don't have to fo- follow Bourne's rules. But, you know, if you're not Sid, then, yeah, read that and you'll fit in nicely on a skate. For sure. Uh, that's pretty great. Just imagine 18 or 17-year-old Sid just cruising oh. through guys. He, he, they said like they couldn't touch him, they couldn't catch him, and they were so angry and mad at this kid. Like, who is this guy thinking he can do this with us? And you got to remember, too, Bick, back then is that uh, it, it, it was a different time when players kind of, I won't say knew their, their place, but they didn't just jump into the NHL like the Pedersons have right sure. now, the Hugheses. You know, like there was a process to it, and Sid was the next one. But even then, like the, these, these old veteran guys didn't like this young kid making them look foolish. Uh, yeah, it's a great read up uh, right now at sportsnet.ca. But it, it did get me thinking of, hey, the offseason. And, and and generally speaking, like as much as we say, hey, you take the 56 games of experience and you apply it to next season and that's how you grow, I think fans overlook how much growth occurs in the offseason yeah. and how much work. Because, you know, it's, it's now a 12-month sport. It, it's you're, you're, you're getting paid handsome sums of dollars. And so you should be working on your craft all season long or all year long. And, yeah, you get your, your holiday, of course, that. But players are very aware of how finely tuned their body needs to be and how to constantly develop their game. Because if you take months off, well, hey, maybe your next contract isn't as big and, and maybe your opportunities start to get squeezed out a little bit. And for Ole Levy, you know, he was on the station yesterday, mentioned hey, his injury history and whatnot. But, you know, as the opportunity for himself has kind of been squeezed a bit, he did go on to say, hey, some of the things he's trying to work on in the offseason. And I want to get into a bigger conversation as well about, hey, the one thing you want each Canucks players to work on uh, for you, so you can text in 650-650, is there a player that you're looking at and says, hey, this guy's got to work on this, and what is it for you? Text in 650-650. But for Olio Levy, and I think he hit on it, obviously, it's something that we've all all discussed. It is his mobility to some degree. And here's what he had to say about working on his speed last night on The People Show. The summertime is huge for me. I miss so much time, so mm-hmm. just working out hard and being being stronger and uh, all the time trying to be quicker on the ice. Obviously, the NHL nowadays, it's a fast league and there's a lot of fast guys and you want to be able to defend all, all type of players. So that's that's the main goal for me. Uh, when when you speak to, to Travis and Jim at the end of the season in, in exit meetings, uh, what is it that uh, th- they say and that they want you to work on? Uh, it's those same things. Uh, being stronger, faster. I think... Uh, 
we are all in pretty much on the same page with the stuff that I need to work on and how I can help the team more. And uh, I think uh, my role is more overall now. I think when I was younger, it was more just offensive skills. And obviously, when you play in NHL, you got to be able to defend, especially if you want to win win games and win championships. So all the demons, they need to be able to defend also. So that that's going to help you. You mentioned speed as, as an area that uh, that is of improvement. Um, what is it you work on to in- increase that foot speed to just get that little 1% or 2% faster to help you out? Uh, of course, there's a lot of drills off ice and also nice you can do during the summers. And just uh, I missed so much time on the ice when I was injured that even just being on the ice and doing those drills, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you. And uh I can definitely feel it. I already felt it last year after after the break when we came back that uh, I, I took a step in the right way. And I think we, we got the right stuff. And now I just kept doing the same stuff this summer. And I'm really looking forward to use it. That's what Ole Levy spoke about, what he's uh, working on in the offseason. We pose it to you, uh, 650, 650, we'll share a couple of hours, but what do you want certain Canucks to work on? If you had to give them one thing to say, hey, they're going to come back and it's going to be 5 10% better at this one trait, whatever it is, 650, 650 to our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, a big one for me, C-Mac, and it's interesting because this guy gets labeled as a goal scorer and whatnot, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time propping up uh, the effectiveness of Brock Besser's a board play and how he, he's, he's an underrated uh, playmaker and his defensive play has gotten a lot better. Now that we're at an age of Brock Besser, and he, he had a great season last year, he was one of the few bright spots for the Vancouver Canucks. But he is getting to an age where I look at it and I say, now I want to see the, the sniper come out and become that guy that this is more than just about hey being that complete player he's he's on a trend to do so but we've been waiting to see 30 goal brock now in an 82 game season i would expect him to get 30 last year but upcoming this season like i want to see 30 35 goals from brock besser and if that means improving the shot if that means just being smarter around the net, more clever around the net. But, like, I want to see Brock Besser fill the net this year. Yeah, and Canuck fans would would love to see that. You know, Besser's biggest improvement, in my opinion, you know, the goals came, outstanding season. Mm-hmm. But he, his his 200-foot game improved. And, and, you know, we talk about creating offense off of defense or playing smart and being on the right side of the puck and all that sort of stuff. To your point, I want to see him fill the net. I also want to see him continue to develop that aspect of his game and just be that guy who can be counted on in those situations and force turnovers, get the puck up quick, get to those spots and get your shot off. You're right about the goal scoring aspect to it, but for me, you know, I I, I want to see him continue to be that player that is just dependable and, and great at both ends because the offense is going to flow off that. If, if, is, if, yeah. The, the thing for me is, like, he's a first-line player right now, right? Yep. Like across the NHL, he's a first-line goal scorer, and it's a big win for the Canucks that he's in this organization, and he's going to score goals. But there is that next level. Like, I, I think he meets the baseline for what you're talking about, hey, that being that overall player. But on a line with Pedersen, 
it's there is a certain level of uh, playmaking to Pedersen. You know, just his natural even personality. He's going to make the smarter play, and the smarter play often is giving the puck up for him rather than shooting. We see it on the power play all the time where yeah. he opts to, to slap pass instead of just wiring one. That's part of his demeanor. It's part of his personality. So who's the beneficiary of that? Well, it's the two line mates. JT Miller, okay, we you know he's at a certain part in his career where I think uh, can we really expect you know 35 goals from JT Miller regularly? But Brock Besser's in the stage where he's getting to that age 24, 25. Now, this is your prime. And when you get labeled as that shooter, now now that we've seen your health recover, and, yes. and you know the wrist, the back, and everything is now now like make a strength even stronger. And, and, and I I, I, I kind of want to see those like the thirty five goals from Brock this year. You're right, and you mentioned it there. The health that's so important for him. He he was healthy this year, and that that shot seemingly came back. Even though some people were wondering, you know. Have you lost it? And listen, we, we've seen some clips on social media, him lighting up in the Debuty League. But it, it reminds me of the conversation last week uh, with Dixon Ward when he talked about, you know, working on those skills and, and that shot and, you know, the, the repetitiveness or working with a shooting coach or something for Besser because even the best of the best can tweak it because you're talking centimeters or, or, or a little bit more when, when you're putting that puck in certain spots, that repetitiveness, that tweaking that fi- refining your shot getting in spots getting that puck off quickly he can still continue to work on that and to your point about entering his prime and being able to do this uh, i see the f- him in a light where he is going to be super important for the canucks and if he just focuses in on that and and you know justin board's article talked about you know playing shinny that's all important but it's the the finite skills in my opinion that you have to work on and and really hone in on and i believe that besser will look to continue to do that and that's probably why he took that step this year was a his health and b you know now he's getting that shot back to where he wants it to be the last three seasons for brock Let's exclude this last one because he really became more of a goal scorer, and I want to see more of that even moving forward. But the two years previous, you know, there were complaints of, hey, he doesn't score enough. You know, it's 26 goals and 16 goals the the, the following year. We, we need more goals from him. And the argument was, okay, you're not – you're missing the rest of the play that's happening. The term I always use when it comes to snipers with whether it's Phil Kessel or Evander Kane, that, that archetype of players is empty players. It's great that they're scoring points and getting goals, but how are you over – overall impacting the game. You can't be a net negative. And Brock Besser, to me, the past couple of years has proven at the worst case scenario, he's going to be a neutral player where he's going to provide value defensively and he's going to give you enough points. Last year, he proved, again, worst case scenarios, he can put the puck in the net. And for what you're talking about, you want to see a more overall player. I feel like he shed the label of ever being an empty player. He's always yeah. going to meet the baseline of, hey, I'm able to help out defensively. I, I, I'm intelligent in my own end. I know how to you know, possess the puck and, and dictate play along the boards and, and slow things down, play at a certain tempo. The next step for me of, of the evolution of Brock Besser is goals. Just goals. Be that goal scorer that we saw in year one. And if that comes, that that's a big boost for the Vancouver Canucks. We talk about, hey, where's the improvement going to come from? Part of it is Pedersen. Part of it is Hughes. Brock Besser's in that conversation if he gets to a stage of filling in 35 goals. Yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, this is in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. 
Uh, Hoaglander needs to work on hitting the net. That's from Mike and Tawasson. I, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, I love I love the opportunities he created. I love the the fact he got to those spots. But yeah, he he's got to figure out a way to kind of hit the net. Uh, Tyler Myers taking the short route to get the puck behind the net. We're when having to challenge a four checker. Bigger guy. You're right. The the straight line A to B. That that all can be worked on. Vic, if if I look at it or think about it and and go, hey who do I want to improve and where I want to improve? I look at a guy like Zach McEwen, who, you know, he showed some spunk, some tenacity, and it might seem funny that I'm talking about a guy in the fourth line, but your identity of who you are and what you do and what you bring, and you just do it well. You know, Manny Mahalter was a great face-off guy and had an outstanding career because he could do that one skill really well. And all the hockey guys we have on this show tell us about, yeah, you can't be all things to everything. And your point about Besser, be a great goal scorer. Fill the net. Yes, do that well. You have to play the other parts of the game. But if you have one skill or, or, or skill set that sets you apart, and in McEwen's case, what I would like to see is that spunk and tenacity and physicality. You know, listen, he's a willing combatant to drop the gloves. But more than that, just on a more consistent basis, you know, lay the body, be tough to play against, get in on the forecheck, be that kind of pain in the you-know-what. That's one person and one thing I would like to see improved for this hockey team. 650, 650, keep coming uh, with your suggestions. Uh, the entire team, line changes. You know what? That's a great point. Because there, there, there was a few too many men penalties for the Vancouver Canucks this year. So if, they're, if you're looking at something for them to improve on, that's, uh, that's a very, very interesting one. Uh, we'll get to a few of yours throughout the show. Keep sending them in. Uh, something we want to chat on, uh, chat about throughout the course of the show. But it is 1.20. We do it uh, here on Picking the Boss. Don't at me. You got to take. Send it to us. Don't at me. 650, 650. Here's mine for the day, C-Mac. Don't right. at me. Yeah. The CFL should learn something from this MLB game tonight. We'll talk about it in a bit moving forward. But the CFL has an opportunity to learn what Major League Baseball is doing tonight with this Field of Dreams game. Good point. The... the uh... <laughs> The romanticization of a sport or, mm-hmm. or pulling on the heartstrings or, or in tying into a movie. Now, I'm not sure they've ever done a CFL movie that's been any good, but uh, you're right. Th- this template that Major League Baseball is, is going to and using, um, hey, and, and we're going to dive into this a lot more coming up, but uh, yeah, I agree. The CFL could definitely... It's a historic brand of football. You know, whether you're familiar with it, whether you like it, whether you're young, whether you're old, the CFL has been around for a very long time. And, and you're right in, in drawing into the past and, and making it nostalgic. That could definitely work for the three down football as well. All I'm saying is there's a lesson here, and I hope it gets applied to the CFL. Uh, we'll talk about it moving forward. We'll get to your don't at me's uh, here on. Bick and the boss, Bick Nassar and Craig McEwen. Uh, Minor Matt, uh, don't at me. The only way Ole Olevi gets faster this offseason if he wears some of those uh, rocket skates that were used in the movie Jackass, if you remember that. 
<laughs> My minor Matt is coming in hot. He's oh, got yeah. a Dolly Parton reference, Shakira. Like he he is bringing it today. Uh, nice to see. Uh, shouts for the creativity on your part. Uh, this one, Vic. Don't at me. The boss is telling us that the inches we need are everywhere around us. <laughs> That's pretty great. I didn't yes, see that one. Yes. That's awesome. I was talking about centimeters, but you can go inches. That that that's that's true. Uh, Rager, don't at me. The white flying skate jerseys are better than the black ones. You know what? Love this take. Love this take. Do you I really? Think, Do I you, think huh? as a fashion statement, like if I was just having it around town, I would probably yeah. prefer to wear the black one. On ice, like if I had to see it for a whole season, I think I would prefer the white ones. Well, I know growing up, I had the white one. So I had the choice as a fan to buy one or the other, and I bought the white one. And you know how some jerseys look better in person maybe than they do on TV? The, the, I don't know what it is. Like the, the Nashville had those ugly-looking jerseys on TV, and then I saw them live. I'm like, oh, they're better than what I thought. So the, the eye test or whatever. But I, I can see, I guess, on some levels the white one. But the black one just seems to be so big, so mean, so tough. But, uh, okay, I'm, I'm buying that one. It just uh, the white one gets overlooked so much because people just love the black jersey. I get it, and but just aesthetically over the course of a season, I, I think the appeal of the black one will lose it, and that's why it's when it when it gets rolled out, you know, three times a year, it looks so special. If you had to view it every day, I think it would lose some of its luster. Yeah, here's another one. Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Don't at me. Brock never lost his shot. He was being fed amazing passes from the Sedins and Vanek. The Canucks possession game and puck recovery game is terrible now, not Brock's fault. I, I got to disagree with that a bit. Uh, yeah. I, I, there, I, yeah. I can't remember what game it was, but there was a, a Brock one-timer from that quote-unquote Brock spot that a lot of people uh, – like to label which it hasn't popped for the last couple of years but one game this year he fired one off and all of us in the press box went whoa we haven't seen that in a while because i you know with the injuries and everything it did slip a little bit it did go yeah i i i agree but um yeah i would say the canucks puck retrieval game is is a work in progress but getting better not as bad as maybe the the texter thought uh, Paddy 12. I'd like to see Justin Bailey challenge McEwen for that fourth line spot, show some speed, size, and energy when it's good before the injury. Here's the thing like, there's a lot of bodies now. It's, it's going to be tough for, for competition for those spots. I'm not sure if we'll see uh, uh, Bailey get some uh, uh, spots, uh, some chances in that spot. Uh, yeah, I was. Weren't you disappointed when he got hurt? You know, in the sense that I, I just wanted to see what he could bring and do. And sure, then, yeah. Uh, I, I guess he got lucheached or whatever. You know, like, I, it, it was too bad to, to see him get hurt because I was intrigued by the package of that size, speed, and I guess some ferocity to his game. Uh, South Surrey Jeff, don't at me. If Ewell Levy wants to be better this year, he should work on being exactly like Matt Kachuk, who we should have picked if we weren't completely incompetent. That is Ouch. from uh, South shots, Surrey. Shots fired. Yeah, <laughs> shots fired. It's uh, yeah. it, it's tough. It's tough for uh, for your levy to that, never. That be should be a, a segment. That should be a segment we do one time. Is if you can go back in the the time machine and hey, we could call it the hot tub time machine and, and one do over. What would that be if you were a Canucks fan? It, throughout one the test of time, one do over. Like you know, in that say, it's, you, Kachuk said, you like, like what would be the one do over you would do? Like tra- like only for transactions or. 
like even games. Hmm. That, that the game thing. Listen, we got summer programming. We can build this out for a week, buddy. We could go all the way down the the rabbit hole. The one thing you would change in the Canucks history. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, keep the thoughts coming in. Six fifty, six fifty. What's the uh, one thing you want a Canucks player to work on this off season? Text them in six fifty, six fifty. Uh, but coming up, uh, yeah, I did want to talk about this. The CFL. They got to take a lesson from tonight's Major League Baseball Field of Dreams game. I'll tell you what it is uh, on the other side of the break here. Vic Nazar, Craig McEwen, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Bick and the Boss. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, Bick and the Boss is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Does your team need reliable construction equipment? Save thousands on Kubota, excavators, skid steers, and loaders. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. C-Mac, you and I both got this email here uh, just minutes ago. Yes, Uh, yes. Breaking news. No. Don't do that, Greg. I'm just kidding. Not really. Not, Not really. really. But uh, the the promo team, our crack team at uh, yeah. the radio station, do a great job uh, asking for volunteers. So the Boys and Girls Club, they're bringing back their Over the Edge, their event where you rappel mm-hmm. down the side of a downtown building. And I know in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650, 650, we've been asking you, you know, what Canuck would you like to improve on things? But now we're, we also want to sub question here of which host would you like to see go over to the side of the building i I, i'm i'm gonna start with reach because i think this has got reach written all over him you know low to the ground low center of gravity but like he could carry a spro down the side in one hand and then rappel with the other oh that'd be great uh i got man someone to do a do-over i feel like randy would be a good one for this Okay, why? Why why Randy? Outside of he's on every platform there is, so why doesn't he be on the platform on the top of the building? But we we see him all these platforms and like buttoned up hockey night and Punjabi, right? Like he's killing it. Let's get him in a harness, let's get him with a helmet and rappel down the side of the building. It's a little bit different. You know, he he, he, he's okay. He he's so perfectly structured. I want to see like Randy like clutching the side of a building and be like, oh my god, 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 just terrified. Well, and and especially with that whatever chip challenge they did, where it, he didn't even blink. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, he was you know, reaches the reaches the theatrical one. Randy was just cool as a cucumber. I'm not so sure he'd be so cool up there. The the, the other guy I'm thinking of, Bick, is is Rintel. Uh, no, Rintel could go. No. Rintel could go in his Volvo. It would be a Volventure. No. Like he could just go over the side in his Volvo. He'd be way too good at it. He'd he'd like run down because okay, repelling you're supposed to like hey butt to the ground and like bounce off the side of the building and work your way down. Rintoul would like go face down, running, sprinting like he's Tom Cruise, and we'd all just marvel at it and be like, how is he not a stunt double or how is he not in action movies? What's going <laughs> yeah, on he here? he would he would get a Hollywood contract out of it. They'd be like, hey, yeah. yes, yeah. He'd be way too good at it. I agree. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. I'll, uh, I'll I'll pitch this by like Satin, Dan, and Randeep, and see if uh, one of them are going to uh, do this. I, I would volunteer myself, C-Mac, but I have actually, for the sake of the company, uh, in pre in my previous radio stops, uh, I have jumped out of an airplane. So I don't know if I need to uh, 
<laughs> why you know, would you jump out of it? Listen, why would you even go there? Right? You know, put your life at, at risk and jump out it was, of an airplane. It was so safe. It was so safe. I, I actually encourage anyone who's ever thought about doing it. it it's a blast. It's so safe. The instructor, you're, you're, you're strapped to the instructor. You have no chance of, you know, screwing up yourself. It was, it was so easy, so safe. And uh, I was asked to do it, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do this. Uh, I, I volunteered myself for the company for uh, these quote-unquote dangerous acts before. Well, I'm not volunteering to go over the building, although someone in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox said they'd like to see C-Mac. I think they'd just like to see me gone. Like, just, oh, the rope's gone. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, some Riccio votes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, keep them coming in, 650, 650. Uh, so I mentioned this earlier with my don't at me. My don't at me was uh, uh, talking about this uh, MLB game tonight. I said the CFL should learn something from this MLB game tonight. Are you going to check out this Field of Dreams game tonight? For sure, 100%. Love the uh, movie. But you know what I was disappointed in, Bick, in, in looking at the pictures? I'm, I'm kind of disappointed there's stands there. I know they have to sell it. I think there's about 8,000 seats and mm-hmm. probably go for a gabillion dollars. But the original without the, the people there, I don't know. If you look at the overhead, the actual Field of Dreams uh, movie field is, is just a little ways away. And you look at it, the light stands are there. There's no, there's no grandstands. That, to me, would have been super cool. But I understand why Major League Baseball wants to have people there. But that was the one thing that was disappointing. But, yes, I'm going to check it out. I, I really liked, you know, the, the if you build it, they will come, the whispers. It, 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 was a, it was one of those movies I watched and went, wow, pretty good. Yeah, and I, like, I, I'm kind of fired up for this. It, it's tonight, White Sox playing the Yankees in Iowa. I, I'm going to be glued to it. And I think it's going to be pretty majestic. And, and I think baseball, Major League Baseball, is really hitting a home run with this. The, the execution of the final product is going to matter, but it's going to be hard to screw this one up. And what's great about it is for one night, even for like a novice baseball fan myself, I don't get too hardcore into it. But they, what they are tapping into is they're getting to the root of their product. And, yeah, they're using the movie as the vehicle for it, but baseball has always been about the, the tradition, the romance of the game, and for all this advancement in technology, you know, data for the MLB that they've made, which, which are very important and absolutely necessary when you're talking about in the context of winning. But how you attract fans to your game is still a fundamental requirement of the league and as a business to do it. And for about a decade now, MLB has done a poor job of it. People will tune in because it's the only sports product on in the summer, but it isn't thriving as, as, much, as much as it once did and probably should. But for one night, they're getting it right. And I think there's a lesson for the CFL. Are you willing to get back to the root of your product, the soul of your product? And, and do you know what the soul of your product is? Because tonight, baseball, despite all its trouble, like they're figuring it out for me. And, and for the average fan who likes to flip on a game, tune into a ball game, you know, crack a beer, you, know, you, you get inundated with launch angles and exit velo and bat bip and shifts. And it can get a bit overwhelming and cumbersome sometimes. And you just want to crack the beer, enjoy the sound of it all. And, and the beauty of the movie is it resonates with every single sports fan, right? It's just a, just just have a catch with your dad. And, like, who doesn't think about the simplicity of all of that? Using the movie to showcase the game, the tradition, the romance, baseball taps into something that they don't do enough of. And if I'm the CFL, I'm not suggesting go to Saskatchewan and carve out a football field in the farms there and have a game. But figure out what you are, and you'll get people back, I think. 
Lions playing the Stampeders tonight. My eyes are going to be diverted to a baseball game in a cornfield. And the thing is, the actual on-field product for the CFL is entertaining, but there's been a disconnect for what they are and what they think they can be. And, you know, the, the talent in the league hasn't diminished. If you go back to, like, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, Louis Pasega, the kicking field goals and all that sort of stuff, athletes evolve and they're bigger and faster and stronger, more skilled than, than ever before. But whatever it is, and I'm not sure if I have the answer for it, but the CFL, I think they got to get back to maybe grassroots level, community outreach, whatever it is. I look at what baseball is doing tonight, and the first thought I had was, man, this is something that's really special, really great, and they're getting to who they really are. And I, I think the CFL could take a lesson from that. Yeah, I agree. And, and listen, the the CFL, in my opinion, has a fantastic opportunity as opposed to baseball because, you know, this Field of Dreams game is kind of like an outdoor classic. Hockey getting back to its root, you know, the frozen pond. And, and I would love to see, just as a complete aside, the NHL, like, go to a Whistler and play on, on a lake somewhere without fans around. But it's probably not going to happen just for the simple fact that, it's unpredictable, but that idea of you're right at finding your roots, the CFL, the advantage they have over baseball is that there's, you know, 162 games in baseball, there's 82 games. The, the schedule's a lot shorter, and if you think of home games, and if each team made a home game an event, like, this is the thing, I, I in the shift of the, the local sports market, you know, since the, the, the Whitecaps entered the fray, the one thing the Whitecaps did extremely well was they made it an event or a place for that urban hip, you know, I want to drink craft beer and sure. chant, right? The CFL, in my opinion, hung on to a lot of the core fans, which was great. But in order to cultivate new ones, they need to make it an event. And it's really too bad the city of Vancouver doesn't allow tailgating. You, you, you go to a Huskies game down in Seattle. You go to an NFL game. You know, I've, I've seen it in Philadelphia. I've seen it. I, I was in Oakland where the, the tailgating was like Mad Max. It was crazy. But there's well, you made community. it out alive. Yeah, there's there's a community and an event to it that the CFL needs to tap into. And you're right, they don't have to go to the frozen tundra, the prairies to play in a cornfield, although that would be cool uh, with the snow drizzling down and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But in, in, in looking at that league, can you make everything an event? I, I know the Warriors tried to do that a lot as they came into the market uh, w when they were allowed to play, obviously in lacrosse. That make it in a, make it something that people want to go and you're you're hanging out and you're seeing things. You know, back in the day when BC Place opened and the Beach Boys played there, or or the the, the Lions, they didn't have problems selling it out, but they would put a, a concert in around it. How can you as the CFL to get that younger fan get, get make it that event that that must I want to go there and hang out with people and enjoy it. And and you're right. Baseball is, is tapping into that. That the the history of it, the the idea tonight that again, there's only eight thousand fans, but people are going to be consuming it all around the country, uh, Canada, United States. Can the CFL get to more of that? And again, I feel bad for the Lions because it's pretty restrictive here in some of the stuff they can and can't do because of bylaws and and geography and all that sort of stuff. But that idea of hey, this is a cool place to be, or I, I want to go there with my buds to, to, to start my evening, wherever I'm going to end up. Th that's in what I think the CFL needs to do. 
Yeah, because this isn't about showpiece. Tonight for the MLB is about showpiece, but they're, they're, they're building up the pageantry of it all, which the MLB doesn't have enough of. And realistically, like I think of Grey Cup Week, and there is a lot of pageantry. There's a lot of national pride, and, and to be honest, regional pride, right? Like it, It's not just for the two teams that go there. It is for the entire CFL. How do you recreate that week across a season, across a calendar? Yeah. Like that, that to me is the interesting bit. And like, I see it's already coming in right now. We're getting some anti CFL texts coming in. And like, this is what, what, what happens. Uh, like I know when we would do football central, people would, you know, sometimes say, Hey, how come we're not talking about the CFL? But the truth is we get a significant number of people texting in like anti lions and, and just be like, Hey, we'd rather hear about the Canucks fourth line center or something like that. You don't want to hear about it sometimes. So we avoid it. And so how do you flip that narrative? How do you flip that from a league's branding perspective and say, now we want people engaged with us. And is like I think there is a bit of a connect disconnect from the league level to the community level at times to re-engage and re-bring in uh, the bring in fans once again. Because it again the product the on-field product it's there. It, the, like you're getting faster, better athletes than we've ever had before. Twenty five years ago, it had more than just the on-the-field product. Yeah, and, and listen, uh, in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650, this unsigned text, I went to more Lions games at the temporary Empire Field than any other time because it was loud and outside, close to the action. It felt like an event every game. How do you recapture that? And maybe that's the the point, Bic. You've seen some beautiful new stadiums on the prairies. Mm-hmm. It needs to have a new venue here, some place where maybe there's a little more space where you could do some uh, – sub events around the actual game listen bc place is in a marvelous spot for the downtown core and that's great but it, it doesn't lend itself to that sort of thing the cfl changed its logo they tried to hip that up they, they've, they've started a fantasy football where where you can play to try to get the mm-hmm. the younger demo those those die hard football fans but to your point about the product and and what's on display and i always laugh when people say oh a college football team could beat a cfl team no they couldn't like these guys are good football players but you need to package it up in such a way that it's more appealing to the the fans. And again, I, I look at it as event-based marketing as opposed to, hey, it's the CFL game that tonight the Stamps and Lions. It's like, no, this is this is where you want to be. If you, if you want to have a few pops, you want to get some popcorn, you want to have a nice night, you want to be entertained, you want to have a laugh, you can cheer, yell, scream, that sort of idea. And football, because of the, the length of the schedule, you could, you know, pick up eight, nine events at your home games to try and build it out that way. Yeah, the, the venue, you know, the, the texture makes a great point just about the, the stadium. Now, that requires massive amounts of investment. Uh, and, and, you know, would you get ownership willing to, to, to extend that extra mile to do so? But what it does tap into is it, it brings back a little bit of, of, of intimacy, right? Because yes, you know, perhaps... Yes, yes, 100%. Perhaps, that's, yes. Perhaps the CFL stadium should only be eighteen to 24,000 people. And then you make it into that event. And, okay, are you serving a smaller base, but do you make it a more rich product in doing so? And if, if you get into that, then it makes it more attractive to me. Mont- Montreal, perfect example, McGill. Tight, smaller stadium, a little rickety and old. But what happens is, to your point about the intimacy, it creates demand because there's only so many tickets. And then people... 
you know, want to go there because it, it is it, it is something to go see. And the the, the bigness of a BC place works really well for a, a championship game. Uh, you can tarp off the top and make the lower bowl seem more intimate, but it, it's not. It, it's that kind of, you're right on that, that idea of being close to the action, smaller, tighter, probably louder because of it, just would make it feel like bigger than what it actually is. Uh, Kevin and Comox, 650-650. Hey, guys, I think the biggest issue CFL faces is lack of teams and diversity. I'm huge Canucks fans, have become a huge NFL fan over the years. It's hard to get excited about a team winning a championship in a 10-team league. It also seems uh, second rate in comparison to the NFL production value, uh, extremely poor compared to the NFL. It would be so much better if there were a Canadian division in the NFL, cut it down to four to six teams, and off you go. That's an interesting angle for it, for the, the Canadian division in the NFL. Don't think you would ever get that but uh you know i, I kind of disagree on the idea of um the the championship gets devalued in a 10 team league because it, you know it's it, the requirements are set up for for how you do there's you're, you're trying to get a team in every province right it, it's yeah listen it's you're fine you're fine in that way yeah, the economy has to work. And hey, the CFL has tried things. They they've they they dabble in this and 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 go edgy or whatever and and uh on on uh, not the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, but on my phone, uh Vern Linquist, cameraman for Sportsnet just texted me, "Remember the CFL slogan our balls are bigger?" You know, like that right. fun, that quirky, that edgy. The CFL has tried that, but not in my opinion on a regular basis enough that you're 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 doing it game in game out and listen you're not going to have a massive concert every game i'm not suggesting that but how can you tie in your point of intimacy something else something that people want to be a part of sports is so tribal and it's cultural and and i i want to as i said the white caps the south siders the the curva collective those groups have have created an atmosphere and an ambiance that is so European and that's the appeal I think in soccer now in North America with the USL or major league soccer or some of the smaller leagues is that it's got this, Hey, I got a, I got a beard. I, I drink a beer and I sing, you know, CFL needs to find some sort of identity, not the same, but, but something along those lines as well. Cause here's the thing. It's not really, uh, you know, for all the people that are, are texting and I'm more interested in preseason NFL over CFL or the talent is so bad or something like that. We're getting those texts, but like, you don't care about talent because you go to C's games and you like people yes, pack event. to C's games. Yes. They pack. Yeah. It, it's hard to get tickets to Nat Bailey sometimes. And, and, and the C's are, sorry to cut you off, but the C's are like a, a bar with a baseball game going on. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like a pub. Uh, sorry, not a bar, a, a pub, like a baseball, game, you know, and, and it's kind of the action going on. That's what you need. You're right. So, so, so right. Uh, try telling Winnipeg that up until their last great cup, it had been something like 25 years about a, a 10 team league. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Absolutely. Uh, Lions and Whitecaps should build a stadium together in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. That, that was always talked about. Remember the waterfront stadium, the, the Whitecaps. I don't want to go down that road again. No, but that your point about, you know, the baseball, let's bring it back to the, the field of dreams. When they went back to Empire Field, where the old stadium was, where you could look across at the North Shore Mountains, and listen, that stadium was nothing more than, you know, uh, metal bleachers and pop-up this and that, but there was just something nostalgic about it. There was something eventful about it, 
and there was the intimacy. So you 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 hit on all three, Beck. You were right. Nostalgia, intimacy, and and, and uh, just you know making it an event like that. That that's what the CFL needs to 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 strive towards. I don't have all the answers, but that's what I would be looking to do. So that would have been when, because uh, I don't think I lived in the city here uh, when. So that was 2010, 2011. Yes, when uh, the Whitecaps 2011, when the Whitecaps came in, they 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 had to go out there because of the the Olympics. Uh, yeah. In and around there, right? The Lions had to go out there. I think it was 2010 because of the Olympics. So they needed a new place, and they went, okay, let's go back to where it all started. And you know, like I said, the 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 stands were nothing special. It was, it, but it it felt different. It was outside. It was in the elements. It, there was a a commonality and and a camaraderie about it that we're all going through this together. And some days, like I saw a Whitecaps game, there was so hot. It's kind of like our heat wave right now. I I, I I sweated through my shirt. But but we're you're all there together. And and that that idea of going there for and i guess maybe because people knew it was only a short period of time made it more eventful than possibly going to a game at bc place so like, I, i'm trying to think back uh so yeah 2010 2011 i had friends who are definitely not and like family members who are definitely not football or sports fans and trying to go to every game as possible for that for when they were at empire field because it was an event it was tapping into and that community aspect of it, and perhaps perhaps that's the soul of the the CFL's product, community more than anything. And and is there a way to, or is it fair to say that they become too corporate? Yeah, perhaps, but maybe too plastic. Like you look at, uh, sorry, it's going to say Sky Dome, Rogers Center. You know, then they go to BMO, eh, probably a little better for the Argos. The Lions are still downtown, and, and they want to be because of corporate dollars. But BC Place is not, in my opinion, the best. It's great for hosting Olympics, as I said, championship games. Uh, but a smaller, tighter venue. Knock that BC Place down. Build condos on one side of it. Make a smaller, tighter stadium. Let the Whitecaps and Lions play there. Problem solved. The, the real estate fees can pay for the new stadium, and away we go. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on Bick and the Boss. We'll continue the conversation. Your thoughts flooding into the 650, 650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll read a couple on the other side of the break. We'll also talk to Tim Leiper, uh, former Blue Jays first uh, base coach. Uh, we'll ask him what's going on with the Jays. Uh, an exciting time for them and their uh, – See if they can make this push for the wild card or maybe even the AL East. We'll get into it with Tim on the way here on Pick and the Boss, Sportsnet 650. Now back to Pick and the Boss on the official home of the Canucks. Tiki Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. What is up? Welcome back to Bick and the Boss, Sportsnet 650. Going to talk to Tim Leeper in just a second, uh, former first base coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. Lots of text flooding in, though, into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, C-Mac. It is busy right now. Yeah, we struck a nerve. A lot of people trying yeah. to save the CFL. A lot of people talking about building new stadiums. Yeah, There is no in-between right now. No. Uh, and, and look, I, I think both sides are, are rooted in emotion too, right? There's a lot of vitriol. And, and look, this is why I was saying. It's like sometimes people complain, why don't we talk about the CFL? Because it's overwhelming. People are like, why waste your time with this? 
Nobody likes it. it. Like, there's a lot of that sentiment coming into our inbox right now. Yeah, and there's also those people who are saying, I, I enjoy the game. Uh, I've had a history with it. And, and it, it's lost some of its luster. And, and, hey, COVID has taken a sting out of a lot of things. Sure. And the fact that it's back now hopefully sparks a fire, some interest in it. But, yeah, it, it's a tough go for that league, especially taking a year away as well. Uh, 650-650, this one, the CFL will never regain its former glory. Consumers have too many choices for entertainment, and three-down football just isn't entertaining. The other reason is perception. It's a minor league professional, but still a minor leagues, and because it's a transient league where players come and go far too often to develop any affection or attachment to them. Abbotsford Canucks will generate more interest and more fans this year than the Lions. The Abbey Canucks uh, aspect uh, is really interesting of how it impacts the other teams in this city as well. Whitecaps, Lions, Seas, Warriors. Uh, what happens with those teams uh, with the AHL team now in the city? Uh, it's an interesting angle I haven't considered yet. Yeah, no, it is. And, and there was one in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Move the Lions to the Valley because that's where all the fans are. So the the population's bigger out that way. That's a lot tough. more families. But I, 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 you know, I understand at BC Place, in my opinion, it, it's the spot they have to be, I guess, for now. But th- they should be looking at something to create that atmosphere, that venue, that, that place to be, that it factor with a new stadium, a new venue, to your point, more intimate, smaller. And, hey, you can't host a Grey Cup. Oh, well, can't host a Grey Cup. But every, every CFL game would be better for it. Uh, Bick Nazar and Craig McEwen here. Keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, we will speak to Tim Leeper in just a second, uh, former first base coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I'm getting swept up in the uh, the wild card race here, C-Mac. Uh, and, you know, years past, it's like, oh, there are X amount of games out and whatnot. Or how much are you going to be tuning in? But, you know, the Blue Jays are, uh, are, are swaying me here because it's it's not just that they're a good team. They're a good team with a lot of star power. Too. Yeah. It's it's interesting to, to to tune in to watch Vlad. It's interesting to tune in to watch uh, Bichette. It's interesting to watch see what uh, George Springer is doing. Tay Oscar yesterday, obviously with the Grand Slam. It's fascinating to watch these guys right now because you know the, the one thing it's it's star power, but it's also young players fulfilling their potential. Generally speaking, we always gravitate towards guys filling filling their potential. That's why we love the World Juniors so much. Uh, as a nation, we love people uh, achieving their potential. And right now, I look at this Blue Jays team, and it's a bunch of players fulfilling their potential. We'll pitch it by uh, Tim Leeper right now, uh, former first base coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. Tim, uh, is, is that fair to say? Thank you for joining us. But is that fair to say that one of the exciting parts of this team right now is not just that they're good, but they're loaded with star power? It's yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, I, I, obviously, I've been asked in the last few weeks, you know, to do the uh, comparisons between them and uh, 2015, and, and you know, I, I think there, there's a little bit of a difference in pitching. But when you when you go straight down to the uh, offensive part of the game, I, I mean, I think this team, in a lot of ways, is even much deeper than we were. I mean, we we had some guys at the bottom of the order that really fit their roles really good. You know, our, our goal every time in 2015 was to try to get the lineup to turn over. Because we knew that every time, like Jose Reyes or, or Ben Rivera, who ended up leading off for us, or and, and we got the game back to Josh Johnson, there was a pretty good chance we were going to score. So, you know, those guys took it upon themselves. These guys at the bottom third of their order, they're, they're guys that are going up and looking to do damage, hit three-run home runs, and, and do a lot of different things. And I think from that standpoint, like one through nine, 
and even with guys off, coming off the bench right now, these, these guys are loaded, and there's really no one guy you can focus on because there's a lot of different ways that they can beat you. Uh, Springer has made such a, a difference, Tim. You know, and and you knew he would once he got healthy and got into the lineup, and then going home to Canada and seeing him at the Rogers Center and hitting that dinger the other night, the Springer dinger, as they're calling it. Uh, how <laughs> impressed have you been with him and and just what he's added? Uh, a swagger or a confidence, maybe that they were missing a little bit earlier in the year. Yeah, and I don't know if they were missing it because they were they were so good then too. I but I. I I love the way this thing kind of played out. And unfortunately, he got hurt, but, and you never want to see that. But also, I think sometimes, you know, when you sign a big contract like that and you come to a new place, you feel like the expectations are on you that you have to carry the club and do the things like that. And the fact that he was hurt and then he came back in, in a spot where the team was really, like, doing really well and really thriving offensively, where he could kind of just come in and just, just kind of be himself. And, and that, that that part of the game was taken easy for him, or a lot, a lot off his mind, for sure. But then, uh, you know, he went in right before the All-Star break, and then he, he got a chance to get his feet underneath him. And, and once the All-Star break hit, like, I think he's just hit his stride. And I think when they envisioned this club and when they signed him in the offseason, this is exactly what they were looking at in terms of, you know, what they had one through nine, but also, you know, where they would put him in the order. And now that he's settled in and, and he's and he's really, I don't know if he's hot. I just know that he's really good. Uh, I mean, you look at it, it's, it's, it's great for the team. And, you know, right now I think Guerrero is going through a little bit of a, of a you know, I, I, people call it a slump or whatever. But, but the nice thing is when he's down and he's been a guy that has carried the team so long, that a guy like Springer's picking it up. And that's the great thing about the team. Like you mentioned, the balance is just tremendous one through nine. So when it comes to Springer, I do look at this and, you know, obviously you poach into free agency where you can with a player pool that's available. But, you know, given that he's, he steps into this lineup, it does feel like he slotted in kind of perfectly for what they needed and where he sits into the lineup as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, the fact that he's healthy, the fact that he's out there in center field, I think, you know, they, they filled the void really nicely without him there, but you can actually see how much better they are with him there. So, as long as the, the health stays in place. And, you know, it, it was really nice for the other guys to get reps there earlier because it, it creates a lot of uh, different scenarios for you if something does happen. And everybody's comfortable where they are right now. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it couldn't be more of a perfect fit at a perfect time. And, you know, the other thing that really I think is great for these guys, a lot's been made of the adversity uh, with them starting in Dunedin and then going to Buffalo. Uh, I, I just think going to Toronto when they did, right after the uh, trade deadline, you know, in first place, it would have been amazing to see if uh, there wasn't restrictions and you could have filled that place because they absolutely would have. And the city is so great and it's such a buzz uh, when things are going well. I'm fortunate to go through it in 15 and 16, but I, I, I bet it would even need more for these guys uh, if they could have filled the stadium right when they got back. But I think the fact that they're home, they're in front, they're in, they're in, in Canada now, and they're playing at their home stadium, I just think that's a good, uplifting thing for them. And obviously their, their records proves that they're playing great right now. Yeah, Tim, talk a little bit about that, the the home country advantage. I'm not sure that they realize at times how far that Blue Jays brand goes across the country here in Vancouver, where we're talking about them now and in Toronto. But that idea of having the entire city behind it. Listen, most teams have 
home fan support. But in the Blue Jays' case, to offer something different for Springer to, to come there, you know, they pick up Barrios, and hopefully he sticks around once experiencing what it's like. You went through it with that group that you just talked about, how those guys probably love the city, love the atmosphere, love the fans. Is that a selling point uh, for the Jays when they go to look to get players? Or do those players have to experience that first and go, okay, I know I know what you're talking about when it comes to Canada's team? Yeah, I got goosebumps when he said that. Hey, they're about to have the full uh, the full Vancouver effect <laughs> coming up this weekend too, and uh, that's when it really hits <laughs> yes. you when, you when you go out there and you're in Seattle and, and it's a home game and the people are standing on their seats in the bottom of the ninth on a road game, which is which is totally a great feeling. Uh, but I think I think the teams that came through there in, in 15 and 16 saw how great it was, and obviously the players that played there realized how great it was. And you know, with a couple of years down, I think memories are a little bit short. But when you get a guy like Marcus Simeon in and you, and you get a guy like Barrios in and you get some of the older guys that they have right now and, and they, they get to experience and the word gets around, it's a huge selling point, to be honest with you. I know everyone sometimes is afraid, ooh, the taxes are a lot and we got to get held up at customs at the airport. And that none of that stuff ever really happens. And I think once you experience and everybody that's ever played there uh, realizes like, like this is the best thing going. And, and it's, when you're winning, I mean, all cities are really good when you're winning. But I think Toronto is really special just from the size, uh, just the, the atmosphere. I mean, you walk around town, like everybody's wearing a blue shirt. Everyone's wearing a blue jay hat. And it's something that's really cool. And got, getting a chance to experience it, like, I don't think I, nothing could have prepared me for it. And it was way better than I ever thought it could be. You're listening to Sportsnet 650, Bick and the Boss, talking to Tim Leeper, a former first base coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. So you mentioned, hey, the comparisons between uh, 2021 right now and also uh, 2015. What was this stage like of the season? As, as you feel like you're making a charge and the momentum starts to build, what was it like then, and do you see comparables to what's happening right now? Yeah, that's such a great question, and there's there's differences every year. I mean, I know we we got to the – uh, same place both in 15 and 16 uh, with the American League Championship Series. But, like, the 15 thing was kind of like it is right now. I mean, at the trade deadline, we weren't in a great shape. I think we were very similar uh, in terms of where we were position-wise in the standings to where this team is right now. But all of a sudden, you know, you wake up in the morning and you have 50 text messages is because we traded for Troy to the whiskey and we got David Price and we got Ben Revere and we got, we got Mark Lowe and, and we had all these things going great for us. I don't think we ever looked at the score at the at the at the standings at all. I just figured we were we were kind of cocky and arrogant even when we were not very good. And then all of a sudden, once we got these guys, I, there was a feeling in that room that we were never going to lose. And I think we went forty three and fifteen or something ridiculous like that. And it was it was amazing. So the feeling was like we were going to win. We knew we were going to win. If we lost one day, we almost laughed at it and, and came back the next day and, and won a game. Whereas in 16, we had to fight for it. We didn't make the wild card up until the last weekend of the season. The way this team plays, and I think with the with their youth, uh, the way they carry themselves on the field, the fun they're having, like I think this team's more like the team we had in 15. Where it's like, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to win every day. And it, it doesn't matter where we are right now. We know at the end of the season we're going to be where we need to be. And to me, that's kind of what the feeling it looks like with the way they play. Because this team's definitely not timid. Uh, they're not afraid to make mistakes, and they go out and, and play as hard as they can possibly every night. 
Yeah, and, and Tim, now that they're actually getting some pitching, <laughs> you know, and I say that if you look at their your run differential and where they're at, it was crazy, but the bullpen had let them down so much, but they've addressed a number of things here late in the year to shore that up, to, to shore up the starters and all that. It makes them pretty dangerous. I, I know there's still lots of work to be done, and there's teams they have to catch and move past, but but solidifying that at least right now and, and setting that up for the, the stretch run has to be the most important thing that the Jays did here recently. Oh, there's no doubt. And obviously, the bullpen was a big area of concern for him, and they probably didn't tighten it up as much as they'd like to. But on the flip side of it, you know, you end up with Manoa, who's coming out and, and really is, is doing really great last night, throwing a lot of innings. And Barrios, you know, when you, when you have two guys that are, in, that are kind of like found money in the back of your rotation, that, that takes the pressure off the bullpen. And, you know, you, didn't, you don't need to go out and get as many guys as you had. So, it's not always because your bullpen is, is weak. You just got to go out and get bullpen pieces. But the fact that they added starters that could add innings, that could put pressure or take pressure off the guys that have been uh, successful down at the back end of the bullpen, that, that, that speaks volumes. And, uh, you know, every, the way they're playing right now and, and the way the starting pitching is going a little bit deeper into games, it's taking the pressure off everybody. And you're seeing a lot more balance. And I think that's, those are the good things you look for as you're going into the playoffs. Uh, so tonight it's Barrios versus uh, Otani. How uh, like how, how blown away are you like every day you see Otani? It, it, uh, he's he's a once in a lifetime player. I mean, I mean, literally you can go back to Babe Ruth to see a guy. I don't even know if Babe Ruth was his dom. I mean, he was just for the time. But in this day and age, to see what he's doing is amazing. I think the best thing was last night. You get a chance to watch him. He gets to hit his two home run. The Blue Jays still win. I think it's a win win for everybody. So. Maybe tonight he'll go. He'll go seven. Have a good outing. Maybe maybe hit a, hit a couple balls hard, and then the Jays will still win. But to watch this guy play every day, like it's for a guy who's been in this game every single day as his adult life, like you just I just watch with my mouth open and and just amazed at how a guy could be so talented in so many ways. And it's not just he just hits and he pitches. Like he runs bases. He plays defense. Like there's literally nothing he can't do. And it's just it's great for the game. It, it's it's great the fact he's Japanese and it makes it opens up the game a lot more globally like it's it's tremendous the only down part is he plays on the uh well the way from an east coast guy the east coast people don't get a chance to see him you know i'm showing the uh, west coast bias here east coast bias but if they if the people in new york and everybody got a chance to see him more like it would be even more crazy but he's actually even breaking through those barriers you know much like mike trout hasn't you know you know trout's been the best player in baseball for as long as he has and People on the East Coast don't get a chance to notice. I think Otani's even opened up a lot of doors that uh, that Trout has, and those are two great players to watch. Do you think he? I know he's a unicorn, and and you mentioned once in a lifetime <laughs> Babe Ruth the comparison. But will this uh, try and uh, open the door, push the envelope, and have other guys will want to be like him and try to do the same thing that he's doing, or is this just he's just too much of a freak that that it won't happen again? I think uh, I think tons of guys want to. I don't. I just don't think tons of guys can. I mean, I think if, if this could have happened sooner, it would have happened if guys were like this. I, I know we specialize a lot in in sport, and we don't allow these things to kind of happen. But I think if someone was this good before him, I think yeah, I think it would have happened. And we've had the great two star sports with with you know, Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson, you know Brian Jordan, guys like that. But to see a guy be able to do all these things in baseball. It's good, and I, I don't know when the next guy's going to come around. I know teams have tried it, but as you try it, you also see how hard it is, and, and it's, it's not easy for guys. I mean, I, I just honestly think 
this is a guy that will maybe live the rest of our lives and never see another guy like this again. And it's, it's I'm going to try to embrace every moment that I can. Tim Leeper, former uh, Jays first base coach, joining us here on Picking the Boss. Uh, before we let you go, uh, would you have loved to uh, be in this Iowa game right today with the Field of Dreams game? <laughs> it's really it looks so good. I've been I've been on uh, you know on, on online all day looking at the pictures and it and it looks like it just looks great. You know, I got suckered into watching Field of Dreams for the first time for like twelve years the other day, and it was awesome. Like I I, I absolutely love the movie. I forgot how much I liked it. I think it's a cool thing. It's funny because. When players get thrown out of the rhythm, especially this late in the season, you know they get cynical, and a lot of guys are complaining. Yeah, why do we got to go to Iowa? But I think the guys that are going to be there, and and based on like what I'm seeing on social media, like it's a really cool setting, and it's a really cool thing, and I, it's going to look great on television. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. So if, if you're MLB and you're trying to promote your game and you're doing stuff like this, and it's got everybody interest, it's definitely hit the spot, and it's going to be fun to watch. I'm fired up for. I can't wait to watch it tonight. Uh, and also check out the Jays uh, versus the Angels. Tim, uh, thanks a lot for giving us some time today. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Great talking to you guys. That is uh, Tim Leeper, former first base coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of discussion about that Field of Dreams uh, game tonight. I'm geeked up for it. Can't wait to watch it. It, it, it just uh, a little bit worried about the. Uh, we were just talking in the break there, CMAC. Like I'm a little bit worried about like the fence and all that sort of stuff. It, it's it's you kind of get lost in it all. Of like, uh, well, there's the cornfield and you know the. It's gonna be cool to watch, and then you think it's like the actual logistics. If someone hits a double to the gap, you still need a fence there. You can't just not play, you know, with the cornfield. <laughs> the ball rolls out to the cornfield. You got to go find it in the the whole stacks and everything. Uh, so they put this like chain fence there. Uh, I'm a little concerned. Ah, they'll bounce off that. They'll run into it. It won't. It won't be a problem. It's it's more to me to the light standards, the the, the way it looks. I mean, they, they're trying to their best. And Tim brought up an interesting point. There is how. You know, baseball players are all about routine and tradition, and and this is playing on the tradition of a movie and nostalgia, but it isn't really part of their tradition. And why am I in Iowa, where where the Yankees are in a playoff race and all that sort of stuff? But my sense of it is, is that they're going to embrace it. They're going to say, "Wow, this is this is great." And and the way they've got it set up, Vic, it is baseball. Like the 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 field isn't quirky, where it's you know two hundred feet in one side and four hundred on the other. Like the they, the dimensions are good. The, the setup and, and I'm sure the facilities for one night will be great. And yeah, to your point, I just can't wait to watch it just from the, the spectacle of, of what it is and, and the corn out there in the outfield, uh, rows and rows and rows and rows. Uh, yeah, I, Major League Baseball's hit on something here and it was supposed to happen last year, but COVID, it, it, it didn't come off. So, you know, I, I have had this penciled on the calendar for quite some time. Uh, Vic Nazar and Craig McEwen here. Uh, we're uh, we're going to talk to Ken Priestley in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but, but Pete DeBoer was on the station earlier today. I uh, will play this for you and then also just kind of get it set up as well when we're talking about the Canucks uh, and whatnot. But Pete DeBoer, uh, Vegas Golden Knights head coach and also Team Canada assistant coach, uh, was on Rintoul and Sermon earlier today. And, uh, he, you know, anytime the Olympic conversation comes up, right now we're talking about you know, COVID impact and, and insurance and all, all this sort of stuff. 
and it takes away from some of the excitement of it of, you know, we, we all love crafting our Olympic rosters of be like, all right, who's playing with this guy and whatnot. And even Pete DeBoer was getting caught up under it. Here's what he had to say uh, when he joined Rintoul and Sturman uh, today, or Jamie Dodd and Sturman today, uh, about picking players for Team Canada. I think as soon as you, you're named to the staff, you start writing down line combinations and defense <laughs> pairs. I think that's just natural. And, uh, you know, you, you love listening to the debate. I mean, the, the country, uh, you know, it, 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 it's constant on, you know, who's going to play with Sidney Crosby and, you know, is, is Bergeron going to be on the team? And um, so, you know, that, that stuff's going to go on for the next six months. Um, you know, it, it's exciting. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's not as easy as just rolling out your 20 most skilled players, and it never has been. Um, you know, you've got roles and you've got positions and you've got, you know, left and right shot defensemen, um, you know, obviously goaltending is a huge position. So there's a lot of decisions there to make. We've got an unbelievable management team, Ken Holland and and Edmonton and Ron Francis and, you know, obviously Doug Armstrong and, uh, Don, and, uh, Don Sweeney and, uh, Boston. So, um, you know, those guys will put together. Uh, that ghost roster and, and put all those pieces of the puzzle together. And, and, and uh, you know, they've always been good about including the coach's opinions in that. That's uh, Pete DeBoer when he joined Rintoul and Sermon. So we'll start plotting out our roster and how many Canucks across all the nations do you think will uh, be finding their way to Beijing to play in the Olympics? Should NHL players uh, get going? Obviously players are, uh, will play back the clip from uh, Pete as well, how fired up players are. But uh, the expectation is right now that they are going despite any sort of hurdles or challenges. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. Text in 650-650. What's your Team Canada and how many Canucks do you think are going to the Olympics? Bick Dazar, Craig McEwen, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Oh, yeah. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen. Vic and the boss, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Uh, I, I love the, the random text we sometimes get. Uh, Shane and Aldergrove. Yeah. Uh, the dog days of summer, no one has anything better. T- no, one, no one has anything to do other than blow up a nothing story like EP wanting to win. Seriously, what else could someone say? I want to play for a team that isn't terrible but barely makes the playoffs each year. Shane, you're, you're a day late. He just woke up, Vic. He just—he was sleeping only yesterday, and he got on his phone and said, "Wow, look at all this stuff." And and to be honest, if anything, like okay, when the star player of your Vancouver Canucks speaks, we're gonna talk about it. That's just the way this works. We're gonna talk about it. And to be fair, at least for for me, me and Izzy yesterday spent an hour and change downplaying it. Uh, it's not <laughs> that big you. of a deal. Good for we're, you. All yes. this sort of stuff. And, and, and honestly talking about it, it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. He wants to win. This is a good thing that Elias Pedersen is doing this. So uh, thank you for the text, though, Shane. Uh, well, hey, and, but, uh, and this isn't this isn't, yeah, this isn't random, but i got to get this in. This is brilliant for Mike and Tawasson. I'm waiting for the MLB's game at the Sandlot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about that last night on uh, the People's uh, Show of recreating yeah. that one and, like, Breaking back like Wendy Peppercorn at the pool, like have that there and reenact that scene. I don't know. Just uh, it'd be pretty funny. 
Oh man, oh man. But but hey, you we, you you kicked it off on the other side of the break about talking mm-hmm. about the Olympics and how many Canucks might be going. There's one here in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. I think the Canucks going to the Olympics. E P Quinn, maybe Brock, and I would say Bo, but just doesn't quite da- have the defensive part down to a science just yet. I'm I'm in on Bo. I'm we haven't Come given on. our list yet, but I'm I'm in on Bo. I'm in on Bo. Okay. I I just I don't see a scenario like. I, you start crafting out a list, right? And and you start getting like all the centers available for Team Canada. It's an embarrassment of riches. How many forwards the Vancouver or the uh, how how many forwards Team Canada is going to have? Yeah. And I can't. I not only can I not craft an argument like like John Tavares isn't making my team, let alone Bo Horvat. Oh, come on. Bo, the way he skates, drives play, a good team guy. Ask Bo to do anything. You need those role players, too. You need those guys who are going to park their egos at the door. That's that's Bo Horvat to a T. And I would also say, though, too, in this list, like talking about the Americans, you know, is JT Miller a guy? Or or, or what about Thatcher Demko? Could he somehow yep. go in as, as a backup? You know, Hellebuck's great, but... That that's a guy too as well, and and dare I say Oliver Ekman Larson when he turns it around here in Vancouver that Sweden will be yes yes come play. Uh, I, I look at Vancouver Canucks and JT Miller screams bubble player, and I think how he plays over the course of the opening what thirty eight forty games or something like that yep. is going to determine because if he plays like he did last year, I'd be a little bit concerned, right? A little pretty loose with the puck. It's it's tournament play, and you, you want to be safe. If he plays like he did two years ago when he was a revelation arriving in Vancouver, then you're going to get a guy that's going to maybe gets a call to go to uh, the American team. Uh, We'll pitch it by uh, Ken Priestley. It's our Mr. Fix-It here on Thursdays on Bick and the Boss. Our Mr. Fix-It on Bick and the Boss. Ken, how are you? Long time no talk. Yeah, it's been a week and you got some help this week. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. You know, Bix finally come back. Usually, you know, Ken, it's just you and I now having to carry the mail. But Bix back, which is great. We got the intro in. We've raised our game, uh, uh, you know, to a new level. Yeah, and happy to have you on board. Yeah. And and we're going to call you Mr. Olympics, not Mr. Fix-It. Because, you know, what's oh, yeah. going to happen here? I don't okay, know. So can... Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, let's just throw this by you. Because we were just kind of talking about this before the break of, of Canuck players that could go to the Olympics and and obviously you look at you look at Quinn Hughes and you expect him to go Leas Pedersen he's going after that I think there are a lot of question marks if I said do you think four players from the Canucks will go to the Olympics are you uh saying yes or no uh, I think there's definitely possibilities right there's definitely high possibilities for that I think I think Thatcher Demko has a has a a chance for sure um especially if he keeps playing the way he does you know, leading up to this uh, November, December. Um, I'm a big JT Miller fan and, uh, you know, listening to you guys earlier and, uh, and, and, and even him playing the way he does uh, or did last year, there's still a lot of excitement, a lot of stuff that he could bring to a team. Um, depending on how Brock Besser comes in, I think he's obviously got uh, a shot at at least, uh, you know, having a little bit of a alarm bell or somebody taking note of him of how he starts if he starts off and has all of a sudden has uh you know 15 goals 20 goals before christmas how do you put a how do you keep a, a goal scorer off that uh that roster 
And I think I do think that Bo Horvath has a chance. And, and it all depends on the coaches. I mean, every coach wants to pick the best possible team. And uh, they were talking this morning about uh, there's role players, there's situational things. There's a whole bunch of different things that you got to take into consideration rather than just the top 20 players. Totally agree, Ken. And, and, and in Horvat's case, and listen, he hasn't done a lot of penalty killing, but there's a guy who I would see filling a role or a need for them. Uh, and again, Bick pointed out aptly, he was jotting down his list. He's already 13 forwards, and he's like, oh, wait a minute, I don't have this guy, I don't have that guy. That's the hard thing. So I'll ask you this, Ken. When it comes to Canada and the, and the abundance of riches, and maybe they could even put two teams in the Olympics that would compete for gold, uh, it is, it's a great thing for the country, but such a problem for the coaches. How do you make sure you get it right? And, and how tough is it to, to find the proper mix when, you know, it's just gold or, or nothing else? I think you're right. It's gold or bust, but, um, you know, especially in Canada, uh, in 1990, 91, I was playing with team Canada and that year they were going to be that team that they were putting together and there were no pros there. That was all minor league guys, first rounders, People that weren't playing, or players that weren't playing in the Maya, in the, at the NHL level at that particular time, they were, you know, in an American League or something like that. And that year, they were uh, taking the Team Canada team as it is, and that team played uh, in Russia. That team played in uh, in Spangler. That team played in a whole bunch of tournaments against uh, the Russian teams, and and, uh, and and toured everywhere in sort of preparation for this Olympics, and then realized somewhere in the in the December that they were all of a sudden going to bring some players in and uh, and and you know for the life of me I can't remember exactly who they brought in but Jim Plaplinski was one of those guys and 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 they were trying to still bring a team Canada version but not an NHL version and and then after that it, we all know how it turned out but um it was really exciting. Um, I was actually looking forward to maybe participating in something like that, but I got traded from Buffalo to Pittsburgh that year, and, and, and my, my thoughts and hope and dreams, all that stuff, were you know, to head back to, to, to Pittsburgh. But um, the Olympics is a, is, a, is a real special time, right? It's, it's, it's something that you, you, you can't always imagine yourself playing, and then when you, all of a sudden you get this opportunity, you want to, to take advantage of it. But back to like the teams, you in Canada you have a abundance of players, and depending on the style that the coaches have in in, in their in their vision is, is how they're going to pick. And uh, you know you're you're right. There's so many players there that, uh, and and there's so many situational things that you got to think of. In a, such a short period of time, you got to get it right, um, and it's tough. There's a lot of pressure on the coaches for sure to pick the right team. It's funny, too, because we always do have that conversation, especially, uh, you know, after Turin, it was like, oh, they took too many role players and, you know, O2 was so successful. But there's still, you know, Mike Pecco was on that team and whatnot. And, and, and you get guys to buy in in other teams. And with 2010, there was it was star level players, but they bought in. Is it easier to get the guys to buy in or is it better to just take the elite role players? Uh, you know what? I think you have to get guys to buy in. I, I, I think you can take as long as you get a group of people that, that believe in in the system, believe in that two week tournament, uh, believe in that they can they can put their NHL roles aside and just go for one common goal, which is to win a gold. Um, 
you obviously take the best players, but there's a lot of times where, where personalities and, and, and egos and all that kind of stuff come into play um, that you're, you're kind of afraid to take, uh, you know, all four lines being guys that are used to all having the puck and being that guy with the puck on their stick at the, you know, the last minute of the game, or they're the ones used to controlling power plays. I, I, I do believe you have to take a team, um, and hopefully you get the right personalities there and, uh, and everybody comes together in a short period of time. Uh, and Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, Chuck on the island, McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, Shifley, centers, question mark? Not sure Bo makes it. Well, that's the thing, Ken, isn't it? Like, you're not having to take maybe as much many wingers as you want because these centers can be put in other positions, can play other things, and as you said, buy into a role that, you know, when asked to do things, these guys are also talented that they, they can play elsewhere, not just down the middle. Yeah, and, and you're right. If you ask uh, Bergeron to play on the wing, I don't think he'd ever complain, right? He's been a he's been a go-to guy for his his the Boston Bruins and for Team Canada for so many years. He's almost a, you know, he's the guy that you want to put in every situation. And, and you know, Crosby does the, sort of the same thing. But these young guys that are coming up that are that are um, huge impact players for their NHL teams, point getters, you know, through the season, um, it's yeah uh, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough tough call but uh there's um i i'd like to be in that position <laughs> i think that'd be a lot of fun but uh it's a um yeah it'll be interesting to watch and at the end of the day the fans are going to sit back there and and critique it like they've never done before anyway so uh it doesn't matter who they pick uh ken Priestley, our mr fix it joining us from dunbar lumber we started the show off ken talking about uh because uh, olio levy was on the station yesterday talking about him wanting to work on his own speed if you had to pick one player from this canucks roster and you want to see them improve on one trait what is it for you improve on one one um uh, that's tough i i'd like to see I'd like to see, you know, Brock Besser. Even though he, he, I thought last year's uh, last year's game that he brought to the table every single game, I thought was was game in and game out. Um, he was one of our hardest working players. There's no question. Um, his 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 consistently his consistency scoring goals um, and not go into maybe some you know four or five game droughts or six game droughts. Again, you're speaking from a guy who's sitting there watching it from a from afar and not being on the ice. But uh, I think Brock Besser's uh, has a lot to bring. I think he's going to prove to all the fans that he's going to be a 30, 40 goal scorer on a consistent basis. Um, I thought last year's I thought last year's performance, his work ethic was was huge. I thought he he brought a different level of game and. And when you get chances and, and you're a shooter like he is, it, it's eventually going to go in, you know, more consistently. And you talk about that work ethic, Ken. Um, I look at a, a player like Quinn Hughes, and we all can agree he can put up the points, but needs to work on his defensive game. Um, is it possible to improve that through skill work, or does that just come down to your your attitude and your effort and, and a little positioning when, when you're in the offseason, kind of looking at your game and, and being mm-hmm. honest with yourself, saying, hey, I have to get better at this. How does a player get better you know, defensively when you know, we, we look at scoring goals or shooting or stick handling and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, last year, last year, I think just with all the players, right, there were – uh, we've talked about this before where you're in a special situation. We, we've never been involved with uh, 
with a COVID. You've never been involved with a situation where where the season, the way it was for players last year. I think, um, you know, you, they, they tried to bring everything they possibly could. I, I don't think that uh, Quinn Hughes' defensive game is is as uh, vulnerable as, as it was last year. He was trying to do a whole lot of stuff. Like, he tried to do absolutely everything at times. And and he had uh, situations where I, you know, I can remember he was on power plays for two minutes and then and then took another 30 seconds just because. And uh, when you put that load of, uh, of responsibility on your shoulders, it becomes very hard to sometimes do what you do best. And, uh, you know, you get caught out there late in changes and, and, and everybody knows the longer you're out there, the tired you get and, and you get caught in situations where you just give away the puck because you just can't move anymore. And uh, I think that was a real case for, for Quinn Hughes last year. I just think there was a lot of stuff that he tried to do. He tried to take things upon himself to, to sort of will the team to, to get that last minute goal or the tying goal or the winning goal. And sometimes it backfired. Uh, what did you like about the off season? We were just talking about earlier, like the do's and don'ts of what you do when you're training with pros. Uh, you know, wh- what were your favorite parts of the off season, or or was it just, uh, boy, this 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 off season training is too hard, and I'll just wait till training camp? Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? I mean, obviously, yeah, you the off season. I enjoyed the off season. I mean, I I enjoyed doing my workouts. I had a great group of people. Uh, that I would work with players, ex-players, football players, soccer players, all that kind of stuff. The group that I kind of hung around with and worked out with was was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun. It was good energy. Um, we obviously, you know, being in the lower mainland, you skated with uh, on a regular basis with uh, with the pros that were that were in town at that time, and, and there was a pretty good skate here at that particular time as well. So. The off season is in the off season. You work hard, you get ready for the the training camp, but you you always want to you know, training is it gets boring after after a while. You always want to get to the games and get to back to camp and get to see your teammates and all that kind of stuff. So, it uh, yeah, you you didn't want to have your off season being too long. You wanted to make it short and sweet and get back to the regular stuff. He is uh, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber. Ken, thanks a lot. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Uh, Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It here on Sportsnet 650. He's on board with Bo. He's on board with Bo going going with Team Canada. Not there with you. I'm not. Okay, here's a scenario. Yes. And, like, maybe Bo could play wing. I get that. But, like, there's certain guys that have to be on this roster. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby. Yep. Nathan McKinnon, mm-hmm. Braden Point, okay, Mark Stone, yep, yep, Brad Marchand, I'm there, yes, Jonathan Huberdeau, hmm, okay, has, I'm, has I'm, to be on this roster. You has think to be so, on eh? This yeah. You think so? Okay, has yeah. to be on this roster. Uh, so that's already at seven guys. I'm putting Matt Barzell in this conversation as well. I that that I totally agree with. Yes, I, okay. I agree with that. Yeah. So we're at eight guys already, and mm-hmm. so you essentially already have your your top three lines. Now, as a third line center, I'm probably going to take Ryan O'Reilly over Bo Horvat, Conn Smythe yes. winner. That's automatic, and probably an automatic to me as well. The rest of this okay is opened up to some level of debate, but my final five here, crafting out thirteen guys. Uh, or I took 14 here. My, my final five guys here are Shifley, Couturier, 
Bergeron, and Marner. And then my extra guy was Suzuki, just as a young guy. Yeah, yeah, you love you love your Suzuki. Yeah. I, I I'm not sold on Bergeron, and he's I, healthy. I, How do you not take him? Couturier, father time, time to move on. I know that line of Marshawn, Crosby, and Bergeron has been so good for Canada. New blood, new ideas, different players. You know, Marner's one that's tricky for me. Uh, but but I, I just look at it. Do you have enough guys to score? Do you have enough guys to play that way? This is where I look at a Bo Horvat and what he could bring, possibly as a, as a, as a penalty killer, a, a depth guy, a winger who's going to retrieve the puck, go after it, skate hard, be be physical. That's where you know you just can't. It, it's not just skill. There's got to be some will involved in this as well. So that's the, why the, I've got I, Couturier. That's why I've got Marshall. That's why I got Stone. That's why I got O'Reilly. That's why I got Sidney Crosby and Braden Point. All these guys can do everything. They can fill in on that role, those roles that you're talking about. I am. I am telling you, Bo Horvat would not only flourish, he would excel in this position, and would do wonders for for Team Canada. Like, I, I don't even have Tavares or Stamkos sniffing this roster. Well, like, I, I that's yeah, how loaded this is. But do you not think that you know? In my opinion, listen, they're not washed. But Tavares, the injury problems, older, not the fleetest of foot, not the mm-hmm. the the. But he's a gamer. Let we'll give him that. Stamkos, as much as the guys won back to back cups, but just been injury prone. I I wasn't overly impressed with Stamkos in the Stanley Cup final, and and maybe I'm nitpicking just a little bit. But no, I I, I look at well, it. But- it, it at, at Bo and, and go, yeah, like, you know, hey, what about a Yanni Gord? Would you not, you know, look at him possibly as, as something? You know, like, again, as, as a certain type of player to bring a different element on, on, a, on a fourth line or, or something along those lines. And I know you always have to give up something to get something, but when you look at building a roster or a team or identity, and, you know, Kenny said it there, yeah, you, you got to get guys to buy into roles, but if you just take all the best players and you know that each line can score – you, you you know, I, I give like the gets laughs and the peri- those guys who took those roles on, you know, Rick Nash was one of the best players in 2010, yep. never thought he could play that way. But I don't know, not you don't always get that, especially when the going gets tough. I just look at Bo as, as a guy who is programmable in, in what Hockey Canada wants to do, kind of fits that mold mindset, the way he skates and, and just see him as a useful piece. And maybe I'm looking for different, Vic. Maybe I'm just, you know, pining for something a little bit different uh but uh, i'm still calling bowl should be involved in this pining for a canuck is what you're doing here is uh is uh well, you know, well, some people might say pandering here? but yeah no maybe yeah I, I i would say but i i i think he deserves it i i, I do i i will admit i i have a weak vote for uh uh, for Mitch Marner included in my squad here. And Tanbeer's sexing in. Bo has 11 times more playoff goals than uh, Mitch Marner. Hey, facts only here in this scenario. So it is a weak vote. Uh, another one uh, coming in here. Give Bo Horvat a few months with solid top six, six wingers, and you will see he deserves to be on Team Canada. But, like, guys, here's the scenario. It's like, it's not that I, I left Tavares and Stamkos off, but if you're talking about, hey, historical players that it's easy to gravitate towards, it's like those guys are getting left off. And, and th- not only does Bo Horvat have to be better than those players, and it's fair to say that he's not even right now, it's he's got to be also better than the perception of those players. And he's not. In your opinion. In my opinion. And, and, in, and that playoff in, total there, man, that showed it. He raised his game. He, my he opinion is it, rooted in logic it. and reality, though. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, and and maybe my right. maybe my opinion is rooted a little bit in the hometown team. And hey, like you know, I'm getting ripped again in here about you know I'm getting ripped pining here, for Bo. But yeah, it's it's again, this is the fantastic debate when you have so many great players. And and again, yes, I'm I'm sliding towards the home team here. But even if you took Bo out of it, we still could debate and go over you know the 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 fourth line and and hey we haven't even gotten to the goalies we're probably running out of time here and i know on the people show they're going to dive into this more but like who's your goalie the defense seems pretty straightforward to me in a lot of ways but like who's the goalie is carrie price going to be healthy enough is is carter hart going to bounce back and be a guy who you could count on you need that experience is a mark andre Fleury in there a camper like i don't know and that's the fantastic thing about living in canada and and you look at trying to pick these teams that you just don't have your roster of 20 that just goes you have options and options mean debate and options mean decisions and that's the tough thing about this uh, this one, Richmond JW. You're smoking if you think Bo is even close to making Team Canada. What a homer. You know what, JW? I'll tell you this. You should see the amount of texts we're getting right now of people that think uh, Bo Horvath's going to Team Canada. Uh, I- I'll-, I'll be surprised if, it- if, it- if, it- if it's even a conversation, but we'll wait till then. Uh, if you missed what T- uh, Pete DeBoer had to say, uh, the Team Canada assistant coach, go check it out on the Rintoul and Sermon homepage uh, or also on the Sportsnet app. Uh, just go to the 650 uh, tab, and uh, you'll check it out. But we make way. We'll be back tomorrow. People show on the way, and a loaded show as well for the uh, people show. Manuel Veth is going to be joining. Kevin Woodley uh, on the way, and also Charles McDonald. Talk about NFL preseason, which kicks off tonight. Uh, the full preseason. No Hall of Fame game or anything like that. Uh, C-Mac, get ready for that Field of Dreams game, man. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> yes, they will. Yes, they will. Easing your pain. The show is over. Uh, we're out of here. Uh, here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.